Take your Bible and go with me this morning to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 3. We continue this morning talking about the anatomy of the Almighty. The Bible reads Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 3. Indeed, he loves the people. For your holy ones are in your hand. And they follow in your steps. And everyone receives of your word. Verse 12 says, May the beloved of the Lord dwell in security by him who shields him all the day. And he dwells between his shoulders. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning we give you thanks for your word, which is life-giving and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I ask you to anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. When you study the Bible, you realize that a God is spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 4, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so because God is spirit, it means that God the Father does not have physical features such as you and I. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, lives and dwells in a human body because of the incarnation. But God the Father has no human physical limitations. The Bible describes his eyes, but it's referring to his all-knowing omniscience. It describes his hands, as we spoke last week. That his hands refer to his activity in the world and his care for mankind. Today I want to speak about the feet of God. What does the Bible mean when we read about the feet of God? And here the Bible says that they followed in his steps. God does not have physical feet such as you and I have. And, and that is a good thing because the fact that you and I have hands and feet and eyes and ears represents limitations for us. We can't be everywhere at once. But because God is not limited by physical form, then he is not limited to one place at a time. He is everywhere all at once. And yet the Bible describes to us the feet of God, and these descriptions are important for us because they teach us some things about our Father. They teach us some things about God, which I want you and, us, uh, you and I to be aware of this morning. Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 1, it says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. This speaks to us of the greatness of God. The earth on which we live is big to us, but it is God's footstool, the place for the resting of his feet. That speaks to us of how great God is, how big God is. That all of this earth and all of this creation it's but a small thing compared to the greatness of our God, compared to the bigness of the Lord. Then we read in Nahum chapter 1 and verse 3, and the Bible says, In the whirlwind and in the storm is his way, and clouds of the dust beneath his feet. The, the size and the grandeur of God is so great that Nahum says, 
the clouds above are like the clouds or the dust of God's feet. We see uh, in that the the significance of of God's power. That God works through the elements and, uh, and the and the nature that he has created, and he is greater than all of it. In Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, the Bible says, For above all principality and power, might or dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come, and he has put all things under his feet. Now we see the authority of God. That all powers and principalities, all dominions, everything that is named, and every age, past, present, and future is under the hands of the all, under the feet of the Almighty God. There is nothing above Him. He is the final and supreme authority. And this ought to encourage us this morning. Because it means that there is not a king, there's not a president, there's not a power or principality, there's not a devil greater than God who has any authority over him. But all of those things are under his feet. And the Bible says that everything that is named and everything that has a name is under his authority. That means that cancer is under his authority and the coronavirus is also under his dominion and authority. All things are under his feet. Come on, somebody ought to get excited about that because your father is in control. He has supreme authority and power. And then we read in the book of Revelation and the Bible says that that Jesus walked among the lampstands of the church. We read also in the book of Genesis that God walked into the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. And he walked in the temple and tabernacle in the the days of Solomon's temple. Here we see the supervision of God. We see that God moves among us. And he goes through his church. And he supervises the work that's being done. Today you and I are under the inspection of the Almighty God. Just like a supervisor at the factory. Make sure that everyone is doing the things that have been assigned to them. And just like uh, the foreman on a great farm or ranch uh, drives through the place in order to make sure that his orders are being carried out. So God supervises his people. And he visits his church to be sure that we are living the life that he requires of us. Today I want to ask you, friend, if if Christ is inspecting his church this morning, what will he find? Will he find our hearts pure? Will he find holiness? Will will he find a heart dedicated to him? Will he find a heart committed to him? For the Bible said that the eyes of the Lord seek throughout the whole earth a man whose heart is fully his. What will God find as he inspects his church this morning? He is the great supervisor. He is the one that holds all of the accounts. And then in in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1 through 4, we read about the fact that the Lord is going to return. And when he returns, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives. And now we have a promise concerning his return. That he is going to return to the earth physically. And that he is going to establish his kingdom upon the earth. Some say, well, you know, that was fulfilled When Jesus ascended and he sent down the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. 
Friend, the day of Pentecost was the greatest day in the history of the church so far. But it is not the second coming of Christ. Jesus Christ is going to physically come to the earth. And when his feet touch the Mount of Olives, uh, the Mount of Olives is going to split in two. And he is going to walk physically into the city of Jerusalem and establish his throne of authority for a thousand years. And so his feet speak to us of his return. They speak to us of the fact that soon and very soon we are going to see our king. Are you waiting for him this morning? Are you waiting for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now the text I've read to you this morning, it says that all of Israel sat at his feet. They followed in his steps. Now we're introduced to another thought, and that is the thought that when we say the words to sit at someone's feet, we are implying that we have come to learn from them, that we have come to study, to be their disciple. To be at someone's feet also implies an act of worship. It implies that we have found someone so great to whom we must bow and for whom all worth our wor worship is due. We also discover that falling at someone's feet is to acknowledge their power, to acknowledge their ability to strengthen us or to help us in the day of need. And when we study the Bible in the New Testament, there's a woman that I want to speak about this morning because this woman fulfills all of the characteristics that I have just described. There's a woman in the New Testament in the Gospels who every time we see her, we see her at the feet of the Lord. Her name is Mary. And Mary, every time you see her in, in the Gospels, you see her at Jesus' feet. She was a, as I like to call her, a serial worshiper. She could not help but be at the feet of Jesus. And she is to us this morning an example of what it means. When God said that all of the nation of Israel came to be at his feet. The Bible says in John chapter, or pardon in Luke chapter 10 verse 39. That Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. Here we see the first glimpse of Mary. This is in the house of Mary, Martha and Lazarus. There are three siblings they live in the little town or village of Beth Bethany. And every time Jesus is in the area, he comes to stay at their house. He eats uh, a meal with them. And you can just imagine what happens when Jesus shows up at your house. That's a big day in and of itself. But it also invokes a lot of responsibility. He's got 12 disciples. So you can imagine feeding 13 hungry men when they come into town. And this was yet a delight for this family. They enjoyed uh, hosting the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and every time Jesus would come by, Mary would be in the kitchen cooking and, and preparing and hosting. But not, uh, pardon, Martha would be in the kitchen hosting and preparing, but not Mary. Mary would be at the feet of Jesus. She would be listening to his teaching, hanging on his every word. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 2, that the nation of Israel spoke of God's teaching and they said, your doctrine is like rain falling upon us and your speech has distilled upon us like the dew on the green herb. 
The nation of Israel was describing the joy that Mary felt. That when you sit at the feet of the Lord and you learn from Him, when you hear His word, it comes upon you like rain, like dew upon the green herb. Just a few days ago, the grass in South Texas was becoming brown and dry. A little bit crispy as, as well. But then suddenly the rain came. And the rain brought back the green. It brought back the life. The vitality. Friend, that's what happens when you sit at the feet of Jesus. His words fall upon you like rain. And those dry and, and, and arid places of your life come to life again. They come to joy again. Come on somebody. Do you need life today? Do you need joy today? You'll find it at the feet of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 40, the Bible says, He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Isaiah teaches us a very important principle, that God is a teacher, and that morning by morning He teaches you. And Isaiah says, He awakened my ear. And that's a very important thing because Isaiah is saying, by myself, I don't have a hunger for God. By myself, I don't have a desire to hear Him. By myself, I don't have a, a thirst for His Word. But God awakened in me a hunger for Him, a thirst for Him. And the Bible said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And so this morning, if you don't have an ear to hear God's Word, if you don't have a hunger for the voice of God, all you have to do is say, Lord, awaken in me a hunger for your word a hunger for your presence and God will stir up inside of you a mighty hunger for him that only he will fill and quench God is the most patient teacher you'll ever find that's that's so important for you to grab onto this morning that you'll never find a teacher more diligent and more patient than God he says in Psalm 71 and verse 17, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And in Psalm 119 verse 102, he says, Oh God, you yourself have taught me. There is available to you today a teacher. He will teach you from your youth. I know that sometimes when we are young, we're impulsive, we're unwise, we make bad decisions. When you're young, sometimes you don't have all of the facts and you make wrong turns in life. But there is a teacher and he says, I will teach you from your youth. I will correct your ways. I will make you the man or the woman that you need to be. And so the psalmist says, you have taught me from my youth. And then he says, oh God, you yourself have taught me. God doesn't hire babysitters. God doesn't hire tutors. He does the teaching himself because he wants you to know him. And so like Mary, you have this invitation today to come and sit at his feet. Now he told Israel in Isaiah chapter 28 verse 10, he says, I taught Israel order on order. Line on line, and a little here, and a little there. That's the patience of God. God says, I taught you order on order, line on line, precept upon precept, a little here, and a little there. But then in verse 11, he says, and he will teach you with stammering lips and another tongue. 
Now I want you to notice what's happening here because there's a prophetic revelation in that. That the nation of Israel, unindwelled by the Spirit of God, had to be taught patiently by God, by the law, line upon line, precept upon upon precept. But then Jesus came, and Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit teaches us. And he says, through stammering lips and other tongues, he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's talking about the Spirit of God that gives you the ability to learn things you didn't know and to be able to receive instruction in your heart from the Almighty God Himself. Come on, aren't you glad you've received the Holy Ghost? Jesus said, Jesus said, I will send you another comforter. I will send you a teacher. He's going to teach you all things. He's going to lead you into all truth. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. And if you and I will come and sit at the feet of Jesus, we can receive that education, that, that learning, that knowledge. Friend, if you'll sit at the feet of Jesus, he'll teach you how to run your household. He'll teach you how to heal your marriage. He'll teach you how to handle your finances. If you'll sit at the feet of Jesus, he'll teach you how to become whole. He'll teach you how to be free of addiction. He'll teach you how to have life. Come on, somebody. If you've been walking with the Lord, you know what I'm talking about this morning. There's no place of learning greater and more life transforming than to sit at the feet of the Lord and to learn from Him. I'm so glad you came to church this morning. And I'm so glad you're listening online. Because when you come and you sit at the feet of the Lord and you receive His Word, His Word has a transforming power in your life. And those of you who are watching and joining us online, I want to encourage you when you're listening to the Word of God, when you're joining the service online, don't do it while you're doing laundry. Don't do it while you're washing the dishes. Sit down and hear the Word of God because your spirit needs to be fed. Your spirit needs to be nourished on the life-giving Word of God. Say amen, somebody. Now we see Mary again in John chapter 11, verse 32. The Bible says that Lazarus, her brother, Becomes very sick. What do you do when a member of your family gets sick? Mary did what she needed to do. Mary and Martha called Jesus. They called on God. Friend, can I just tell you today, when there's a crisis in your home, the first thing you have to do is call on God. America has a crisis today. There's only one answer, America. Call on God. He's the one that has the answer. Mary and Martha called on the Lord. But the Lord didn't come right away. He took a while coming and, and Lazarus grew sicker and sicker and then he died. And in John 11, Jesus arrives at Bethany. He arrives on the scene, and it's an awkward scene. I, I'm quite confident of that. He arrives at a place he had been called to come four days earlier, and he didn't come, and now he's here, and he's missed the funeral. He missed the deathbed. He missed the funeral, and he missed the carnegisada. He missed the whole thing. And When Martha hears that he's in town, she runs to him. But the Bible says in verse 20 that Mary stayed home. Now I want to labor this point a little bit because that little phrase, Mary stayed home, it reveals to us that her heart was wounded toward God. 
She was disappointed. Why didn't he come? Why didn't he show up? It's bad enough he didn't heal him, but he didn't even come to preach the funeral. He didn't even show up to be with us in the hour of our grief. And so there's a wound in her heart. And there's some people this morning who are listening to me. And you haven't come. You stayed at home. You stayed at home. And you have not opened up your heart to God. There's a disappointment. There's grief. There's anxiety. Maybe you're in the church house. But your, your heart is not open toward God. And like Mary, you say, I'll just stay home. I'll just stay by myself. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to see God anymore. I'm not going to worship anymore. And friend, Mary was in that place. And that's a dangerous place to be. But that's where she was. Martha came back to the house and she said, Martha, Mary, Jesus is calling you. And the Bible uses some very important words in the, in the Greek that reveal to us what's going on. The Bible says uh, in, in verse 29 that when she heard, she heard that Jesus was calling her. The word heard doesn't just mean to hear with the ear, but in the Greek it implies that she considered she weighed the matter. In other words, when she heard that Jesus was calling her, she started to think about it. She started to consider these facts. And she started to realize that Jesus was the Son of God. That Jesus was the all-powerful. That Jesus was her friend. That Jesus loved her. And when she started to consider these things, she started to let these truths come into her mind. Then the Bible said the next thing she did, she got up. And the word there to get up, she arose, doesn't just mean that she stood up, but it means that she woke up. She had a spiritual awakening. She had a revival in her soul. Something woke up within her, and she realized, I've got to be at the feet of Jesus. Come on, somebody, it's time to wake up. I said it's time to wake up. Maybe you've been asleep. Maybe you've been spiritually dull. Maybe you've been in a place of spiritual stupor. You've been disappointed. You've been asking God why. But today, I want to encourage you to consider him. Look at who you're talking about. He's the son of the living God. He's the risen savior. He's the one who loves your soul. And when you consider that, wake up, friend, and realize God is on your side. And if God be for you, then who can be against you? Oh, America needs an awakening this morning. I said America needs an awakening this morning. There's a whole lot of talk right now. Oh, America needs a political decision. Is it going to be the Republican? Is it going to be the Democrat? Let me just give you some information. None of that will matter. What matters is America needs God. America needs the Lord. America needs to call on Jesus. It needs an awakening of our soul toward God. Because not until the nation awakes toward God will it even know who to vote for or how to vote. Not until you're awake toward God will you make wise decisions and make, and make good choices. It's only when your heart is awakened toward God, when you're at his feet, that things can change in your life. Mary woke up and she went to the Lord. And the Bible says she fell at his feet and when she fell at his feet, she started weeping. She started wailing. She started saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She laid it all out, friend. 
God doesn't care uh, if you are grieved or disappointed. None of that can keep you from him if you'll just bring it to him. You say, well, God can't handle it. Yes, he can. God can handle your disappointment. God can handle your breakdown. God can handle your hurt. And he can heal it too. Come on, somebody. He is the only one who can. Somebody this morning is carrying a despairing heart. You are so weighed down, so discouraged, so despondent. But friend, if you carry that by yourself, it'll sink you down and destroy you. You've got to bring it to the feet of Jesus. You've got to lay it down at his feet and let him take control. Mary starts weeping and wailing at the feet of Jesus. And and the Bible said that, She said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, take me to where you've laid him. And you know the rest of the story. That man, Lazarus, who'd been dead for four days, comes to life again because he's been called out of the grave by the voice of the living God. And this, friends, is what happens when you call on God, when you get God involved in your mess, when you get God involved in your sorrow, when you get God involved in your hardship. Miracles happen in your life when you get Jesus involved. But you've got to come and lay it at his feet. Total surrender. You try to carry it, it'll break you. You give it to him, and he'll break it. He'll break the sorrow. He'll break the despair. He'll break the bondage that's off of your life. And only Jesus can do that. Then we read about her again. In John chapter 12, verse 3. And the Bible said that this time, Jesus is sitting at a table. It's just a few days or hours before the crucifixion of Christ. What does Mary do? Does she want to sit by Jesus? No, we know her already. What does she do? She goes and falls at his feet again. Except this time she brought with her an offering. She brought with her a jar of alabaster filled with a very expensive perfume. Some scholars believe that this perfume would have been worth an entire year's wages. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if a woman in that era could have had that much in one object, but whatever the case This thing was very valuable because Judas said, oh, this should have been sold and given to the poor. So there was money in it. It was expensive and it was even more precious to her. It was all that she had that she could think of that she could bring as an offering to Christ. She broke the bottle and she pours this ointment upon his feet. And the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke that the aroma fills the house. Her worship, her expression of adoration to God filled the entire house. It changed the atmosphere of the room. It caused a pause in the conversations of men. It caused a pause 
in the way the world was operating and thinking, her worship was able to, to suddenly affect time. It was sudden, it, her worship was able to change the atmosphere of her life. And Jesus received that worship. He received that adoration even while everybody was mocking her and talking about her and saying this was a waste and this should have been given to the poor. She said, Jesus said, leave her alone because what she has done is prepared for me, preparing me for burial and this will be spoken of her so long as there's a church upon the earth. Can I tell you, friend, that God is looking today for a church to come to his feet and worship him and not worship him for what he will do, but worship him for what he has already done because he is worthy, because he is worthy, because he is worthy. There is no one worthy but him. Come on, somebody. He is worthy of adoration and worship and praise. I want you this morning to join me in coming to his feet. And I want you to join me in taking the worship of your heart, that most precious thing, and giving it to the Lord. We're going to have a worship service here in just a moment. And we're going to lift our hands and we're going to lift our voice and we're going to worship Him. We're going to bask in His presence and give Him thanks. He's the greatest of all, so he deserves the greatest of all worship. He's the most loving, so he deserves the most intimate and loving expression of our worship. He's the most kind and the most providing, so he deserves our thanksgiving and our praise. And this morning, almighty God... Under this clear blue sky, in the midst of this pandemic, on this parking lot, as the pastor of Kingsway Church, I come before you to say that you, oh God, are God enough. You are more than enough to you and to your name. Be glory and honor and power and dominion and authority for from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name, O oh Lord, is to be praised to you. All of the glory. For you have brought us safe thus far. By grace you have brought us safe thus far. To your name and to your praise. To your name be glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on everyone in this place. Lift your hands. Give glory and honor to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship Him. Let the aroma fill Beville. Blessed be the mighty name of Jesus.